Hey everyone, welcome back to the Worthy of Sea podcast. I'm Chip Stewart. It's Saturday, February 24th, 2024. And I was listening to a podcast recently and uh, brought a, um, a verse that I had noticed before to mind. And it's the one in Revelation chapter 21 where it says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And when I run across that verse, I always find it curious that it says, but as for the cowardly, and thus the name of this episode, Cowards, because I... I, I don't really see that called out quite like that in the rest of the scriptures. And I, and I could be wrong. I mean, there are many times when um, God tells folks like um, Joshua to be strong and courageous. Um, he, Jesus um, admonishes his disciples, you know, ye of little faith. You know, why are you, know, why are you being, why are you worried about this storm? You know, things like that. So there are instances where um, people's uh, fearfulness are being called out by the Lord or being people being told not to be fearful, but I just never have run across anything that said the cowardly um, will be basically cast into the lake of fire. So I think we need to understand what this means. Um, But before I I get into the scriptures, I just wanted to, to share with you, especially if you're joining for the first time, my motivation for this podcast. And I think a lot of it is I, I take to heart, what the scriptures say that there will be false teachers within the church. Um, I, I truly believe that we always need to be going back to the scriptures like the Bereans to see if what we're being told is true. And you know, in a lot of cases, what we're being told is true, but sometimes I question what is being emphasized and what is being left out. Um, and I suspect a lot of it is uh, being left out um, so that people don't leave the congregation, especially those who probably aren't believers, those tears within in the congregations. Um, we, we want people to feel comfortable. And, um, and, and I, I don't know, I think we need to challenge uh, people with what the scriptures actually say and, and the entirety of it. And, and it goes back to the minister's responsibility, the pastor, the, the shepherd's responsibility to preach the full counsel of God, not just part of it, but all of it. And I did an episode in the past on, um, I can't remember what I called it, but uh, basically, you know, in the Old Testament, it talks about the, the, the uh, watchmen. And if they don't warn the people, then their blood will be on their hands. And, um, and, comparing how the, the Old Testament, you can make a link from watchman to shepherd. And then you have the shepherds in the church now, the, the pastors, the elders, the overseers. And, um, and so I link that. And if you know, you're not preaching the whole counsel of God, you're not warning people with what God says, then their blood will be on your hands. And I, I really, it, that, um, that concerns me, that bothers me, and I don't want to be in that camp um, where I'm not warning people. And, and this is so, I want to make sure that the entire counsel of God is shared so that um, we can run the race. As Paul tells us, you know, we have a race set before us by God, 
And I want all of us to run that well. And to be able to do that, we need to understand the scriptures fully. So we know what we're supposed to do, what we're not, what we're not supposed to do, things of that nature. And so that's, that's really my focus. I want us to be able to um, defend ourselves against the, the wiles of the devil, against the world system. Because I, I fear that we have become so ensnared by the world system that we're, we're too comfortable and we're just getting along and we are not being as obedient as we should be to our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so this episode, I'm going to talk about this verse and, and I'm going to go and, and touch on some other scriptures that I believe support it. Um, so what, what does it mean to be cowardly? Um, and on the flip side, you know, what does it mean to be courageous? What does God expect us? How does he expect us to act? in this world. And, and, the, and the thing that I want to make sure we all understand is that we need to know who it is we serve, who is our father, that, and we are his children, but who is our father? How, what, what is his strength? Why should we not be afraid? It's because of his strength. It's not because of our own strength or anything of that nature. It's because of who he is. He's told us not to be afraid when we're doing his will. So we need to make sure that we're staying in his will. So I pray that we are not cowards, that we are courageous. We are strong and courageous in the Lord. So let me go to Revelation chapter 21, where we find this verse that I read right at the beginning. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. As we look back to verse 7, I think we see this contrast here. God says the one who conquers will have this heritage. And then in verse 8, but as for the cowardly, the faithful, the faithless, the detestable. So I think he's comparing and contrasting these two. The conquerors will have this heritage that he just described, the heritage of God living on earth with man. He will be our God to the conqueror. He will be the God to the conqueror and the, and, and the conqueror will be his son. But for the cowardly, those that don't conquer, 
the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, their place, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So this is a very stern warning that we get from our Lord. So let's let's go into the scriptures and see perhaps how this plays out in what God tells us. So first of all, the Greek word for cowardly. I want to look this one up because again, this is something that's... I, I, this is like seems like the only time where the cowardly are not going to go basically go to heaven, are not going to be with the Lord in His kingdom. So it's uh, delos um, is is a Greek word. It means timid or fearful, um, and then in the in the translation is translated as cowardly. Okay, so let's kind of see how this timidity, fearfulness, cowardice plays out in Scripture. And what God tells us about that and also about being strong and courageous. So let's now turn to Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 16. Um, and we're going to go through verse 25 and, um, and then continue on to 33. Because these are linked together, I think, all this entire section. But in this first part, our Lord tells us that persecution will come. And this is a common theme throughout the scripture. Persecution will come to the people who are his. And then he tells us, he comforts us, he warns us, he admonishes us to not have fear in the second section. So starting in verse 16, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who will speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? And that's who he's talking about is us, the members of his household. Now there's some specific um, instructions in here for the apostles at that time, talking about going through all the towns of Israel uh, before the Son of Man comes. It's not necessarily us, uh, but it could be them and, and other people. Uh, but he's he's very clear here. Uh, do not be anxious. So don't be fearful. Don't be anxious about what we're to speak when we're dragged before people to give testimony of our of our Lord and Savior. You know, we're we're being dragged in front of people for His name's sake. And then he tells us, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Oh. So that kind of sounds like those who are strong and courageous to the end, who aren't fearful, who don't fall away, will be saved. Those who are truly Christ's disciples, who are the Lord's children. So let me continue in verse 26. This is what what God what our Lord tells us about these situations he just described of persecution. And it's pretty severe the way he's described it. But he tells us, 
So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. So back up to the beginning of this section of Matthew 10, uh, he says, have no fear of them. All these people who are persecuting us, have no fear of them. And, and, he, and he commands us, whatever he tells us, say in the light, proclaim on the housetops. We should have no fear of preaching his word. At the end of the day, he says, don't fear those who can kill our body but can't kill our soul. The only one who can do anything with our soul is, is our father, God himself. And he can throw that into the lake of fire. But if we're his, we are secure in him. If we're truly his, we are secure because we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus holds us in his hand and the Father also has us in his hand. So you have the three persons of the Godhead securing us in our salvation, which will be borne out in testing and in persecution, and it will be uh, will be tested to be true. But then again, he says in, in verse 31, Fear not, therefore. And we are told to acknowledge Christ before men in verse 32. We should not be fearful of doing that. We should not be cowardly. Because when we acknowledge him before men, whether it's be, because we're dragged before powers um, because of our faith, Christ will acknowledge us before his Father, our Father in heaven. However, if we're cowardly and we deny him before men, we fall away, he will also deny us before our Father in heaven. That's a scary thing to think about. So when I talk about falling away, it it leads me to think of the parable of the sower. Uh, that's found in Matthew chapter 13, and I'll read verses 1 through 9 and then skip to 18 through 23, skipping over the, his, his explanation of the purpose of parables. But the parable of the sower. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a, bo- a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then verse 18 talking about the, um, the ex- this is where Jesus explains the parable to his disciples. Um, and the one I'm focusing in on here is our verses five and six. 
Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And this is the explanation of verses 5 and 6 here. The, uh, the, the, the seed sown on rocky ground. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So here it's saying the one, um, the seed that's on a rocky ground are those that those who fall away when faced with persecution or tribulation. And I think also uh, when you go to um, this, the uh, what was sown among the thorns. These are people who are conquered by the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world, and they are overcome by them, and they prove unfruitful. And the more I think about this, I think in past episodes, I've kind of had a question mark on this one, um, whether or not these people are truly saved. I'm starting to really fall out on the side that they are not, because those who are saved will bear fruit, and there are a multitude of, of scriptures that support that fact. So I think to be conquerors um, is to overcome that as well. But I think in verses 20 and 21, what's sown on rocky ground talks about more toward um, the category of the cowardly, those who are fearful and fall away when faced with tribulation and persecution. And I also want to bring to you, to, uh, to your attention the letters to the churches in Revelation, which gives promises to those who conquer. Every one of the letters at the very end gives a promise to the one who conquers. I found this very interesting. So these are not the cowardly. They're the ones who stand firm and who conquer, who overcome. I'm not going to read all the letters, but at the end of the letter to the church of Ephesus, it says here, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The letter of Smyrna. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Pergamum. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Thyatira. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Letter to Sardis. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Church in Philadelphia. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem 
which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And finally, the church at Laodicea. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Based on this, I encourage all of you to go back and read those letters to the churches, Jesus' letters to the churches. I think it, it should drive us to some self-examination of how, of how our churches are and how they're operating. But look at, look at what Christ is commending the churches for and what he is admonishing the churches for, rebuking them, the sin that's in those churches. And make sure, we need to make sure that we overcome those. We do not participate in them. We are not a part of them, that we pursue Christ in our lives. But you look at these promises and they are absolutely amazing to the one who conquers, the overcomer. Those are the things that we should be aspiring for. We should be desiring to be conquerors in Christ. In Christ, it has to be in Him. And it reminds me of the, of the, uh, the promises and the Beatitudes when all the blesseds, blessed is, you know, X for he will be, you know, blessed are those who mourn for, for uh, they shall be comforted. I mean, the, the promises are, it kind of reminds me of that, you know, and there's some very specific, <laughs> very specific promises here in these letters to the churches in Revelation. But again, I encourage you to go back and look at them, but I think it's apropos to what we're talking about here, uh, because if you're, if you're the one who conquers, you are not a coward. The one who perseveres to the end shall be saved. And you have some great promises from God. But I think we have to ask ourselves, what is this conquering all about? How can we be conquerors and not cowards? Um, I've got a few things here. It's probably not exhaustive, but um, I think we need to conquer our fear. We need to conquer our fear and we need the Lord's help to do that. But we need to conquer our fear of man, fear of persecution, fear of death by whatever means it comes. I, I think, you know, when, when we fear, his point is, is this. Do we really know who our father is? Why should we fear anything if we know who our father in heaven is? He is the Lord God Almighty who watches over us, who's given us great and lasting promises. His steadfast love endures forever to us. So we should not fear anything, especially, I think most importantly, when we're doing His will, which we should be (laughs) aspiring to do all the time. But we should fear Him rather than all these other things. Fearing Him, wanting to always please Him, never to be crosswise with Him, never to sin. And I think we, we get this, um, this fear, not fearing man, but fearing him instead in Matthew, uh, in the reading. We, we reread this in Matthew 10. We should not be cowardly or fearful in our faith. We need to be bold and courageous to confess Jesus Christ before men in the, in the truths of Scripture. We should not be fearful in that case. And, and, and I think the last thing is we should never deny our Lord before men. We're strictly warned about doing that, that we should never do it so that he confesses us before our Father in heaven. 
I think we also need to conquer our conquer be conquerors over our, uh, over sin and temptation. Um, the Bible talks in a couple of verses about the mortification of sin. Romans eight. Uh, verse 13. This is probably the King James Version. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So we, we need to mortify the, um, the sinful deeds of the flesh. And then Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So again, having that con- con- being a conqueror over sin, putting sin, putting that sin in our body to death, mortify it, because we are no longer slaves to sin when we are in Jesus Christ. So we shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to sin. I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. We'll still sin. First uh, John talks about that, saying, you know, if we we claim that we don't sin, then 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 we're a liar. But First John one nine. Jesus Christ is faithful and just that, that should we confess our sins, he will forgive us of those sins. Always remember that. We need to ask for his forgiveness when we know we've sinned, whether it's an, an act, a sin of commission or omission, not doing something that we know we should have. We need to be conquerors over the attacks from the evil one. Um, and that goes to putting on the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about that. And Please go listen to my episode, if you haven't already, about you put on the, the whole armor of God. I think that was the one right before this. We need to conquer our love for the world and the things of this world, that, those affections we have. Um, we don't want to be um, traitors to God and love the world rather than God. Um, we, we don't want to be defectors. So go back and read the letter to the church at Laodicea. And, um, and that might give some indication of people who love the world and the things of the world. And finally, uh, we need to persevere to the end. That's part of conquering, persevering to the end. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 14 um, talks about that. So it's interesting. Um, let me see here. Because in Matthew 10, he says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And it's echoed here in Matthew 24, verses 3 through 14. And it also echoes the parable of the sower, not to fall away. So starting in verse 3 in Matthew chapter 24. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. Do not be afraid. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Jesus warned about this already. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many will fall away. That's what he was talking about in the parable of the sower. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Thus my concerns about what we're being taught in our churches. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. 
And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Perseverance, conquerors, overcomers, those who don't fall away, those who are not cowardly. We are not called to be cowards. We are called to be courageous. I, I, you know, as I was preparing this, it made me think, um, you know, we, we talk about fighting battles and how we rely on, on God to fight our battles. Um, you know, I'm going to talk about the Israelites here because I think it's apropos also to this conversation about being cowardly or being um, courageous, being an overcomer, a conqueror. But um, I, I just want to add this in here. Perhaps it's, it's a little off topic, but, um, you know, I, I, I can't help but notice in many of our contemporary songs, we, we glibly sing that God fights our battles. But I think we have to ask ourselves these battles that we're, you know, talking about. Um, are, are these battles we find ourselves in the result of our own disobedience? Just kind of going off on our own way, running amok uh, in the world, not really paying attention to what God tells us? Or are we engaged in these battles because of our, because of our obedience to Christ? If it is the former, God will not fight for us. God's not going to fight those battles, but rather he's going to discipline us if we indeed are his children. If it is the latter, in other words, if they're God's battles, if, if we are being obedient to Christ, we have no stronger power on our side than the creator God who rules the heaven and the earth. So yes, God will be there with us when we fight his battles, if you will, those battles that we get into because of his name, because of our obedience. So I think we need to distinguish between the two. But I think with that discussion, this leads me to hearken back to the Israelites in the wilderness. Um, as you remember, when the Lord first commands Israel to go into Canaan, 10 of the spies come back with a bad report. Um, what is this bad report? As you look at it, it sounds like the description of the land and the people in the land are accurate. That doesn't seem off at all, doesn't seem bad, if you will. However, it's the conclusions they draw from what they saw in the land that is the bad report. And that's that the Israelites should fear the people in the land. And, 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 and our Lord, the, our, the God in heaven is, I, I think he is gobsmacked. He just brought them out of Egypt and they saw all of the mighty wonders, the signs and wonders, the, the plagues, the, the deaths of the firstborn of the, uh, the Egyptians, the, uh, the parting of the Red Sea and the destruction of Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. They still did not trust God. God told them to go into land, that he would be with them to conquer Canaan. He told them he would give it to them, and yet they were fearful. They were cowardly. They didn't trust God. This was, this was maligning the name of God when they told them that they should fear the people in the land. And thus, the Lord punished them. By having them, uh, by keeping them in the wilderness for forty years until all those who were of military age at the time of the report had died. So there, are, there are consequences for our actions. I want to point that out. 
But clearly this, this generation did not trust the Lord. They didn't know him or the power of his might. They, how is that possible? You know, with them witnessing what, what he did to bring them out of Egypt. And I think in a way, this is what our Lord talks about when the cowardly will not inherit the kingdom. They were cowardly. They didn't trust the Lord. They didn't know who the Lord was and were not strong and courageous in the Lord and rest on his promises and trust his word. Now, the point here is that if you do know the Lord, like Caleb and Joshua did, and they were the two spies who actually came back with a good report, basically saying, hey, listen, yeah, we've got all these folks in the land, but let's go. Let's let's go in there. Let's take it because God is with us. If you know the Lord, like they did, you will be strong and courageous in the Lord. This is not being courageous in our own power or in our own might, but it is in the power and might of the Lord Almighty when you are doing his will. So if you listen, when it came to Joshua, when he took over from Moses, and it was the second time that God was telling him to go in the land, in Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1, God gives him very specific instructions. And there's some things I want you to notice as we go through, which I'll talk about after we, um, after we read about it. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea, toward the going down the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He told Joshua several times here to be strong and courageous, to not be frightened, not be dismayed. But I think there's there are um, three things that I want to point out in this in what God commands Joshua here. First is the fact that the Lord has commanded Joshua to go in the, into the land. You know, he's telling him, you know, I am telling you to do this. So we also, for us, we also must listen to our Lord's commands and do them. And we get that from the Bible. We get that from our study of the word day after day after day. Two, the Lord admonishes Joshua to be careful to follow his law and do all that is written in it. We too must follow the law of God as we obey him. Otherwise, we are being disobedient. So this is the law 
that still applies to us in moral law, things like that, that Jesus teaches us that you can still pull out of the Old Testament. Um, it doesn't include things like the, the, uh, the sacrificial system, the dietary law, things like that. But we too, when we are going about the Lord's business, we really, every day, all day, our whole lives, we need to be obedient to Him and the way He wants us to live our lives. You know, what is sin? What is not sin? Three, the third point I want to make. The Lord commands Joshua to be therefore strong and courageous because the Lord will make his way prosperous. The Lord will give him success. The Lord will be with him wherever he goes. God will fight for him. And therefore, I think it is the same with us. We must be doing the work of the Lord, obeying his commands, and all the while being strong and courageous, not fearful, not cowardly, so that we can be conquerors and we may enjoy the heritage of the Lord. I think this, this passage is, is very descriptive of what it means to be conquerors. It needs to be in the Lord. And that we should not be cowardly because we have our Father in heaven who fights for us when we do His will. So to to conclude, brothers and sisters, we are not called by our Lord to be cowardly, but rather conquerors in this life for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For when we hunger and thirst for righteousness to do the will of our Father in heaven, He is with us and and will protect and fight for us. For He is the Lord Almighty. Never forget that. He is the Lord Almighty. And no plan, no plan of His can be thwarted. Brothers and sisters, be strong and courageous. Be conquerors. Be overcomers. May God bless you. Amen.